rules of the double dog dare. Listen closely. It begins with two opposing sides. Side one presents a seemingly insurmountable challenge known as a dare to side two. This dare is riddled with abounding risk, oftentimes with severe physical and social implications. When challenged, side two must accept or refuse the dare presented. Refusing is equally, if not more detrimental to one's social standing than actually accepting the dare and failing miserably. If side two reluctantly declines the dare, then of course the challenger is forced to raise the stakes and extend the ultimate requisition, the double dog dare. Everything is on the line. Risk it all and walk proudly in achievement, or lose and walk home with your tail between your legs. Only you can decide. Stupid dare before. Hands high on the playground. We've all been there in a situation. Uh, there are some stupid things that happen on the playground, and unfortunately, sometimes they carry with us into life. And so during this series for the next six weeks, uh, we're going to be doing a couple of dares, and we're going to have some fun with it. So here's my challenge. Not every single week, but over these six weeks, it's to pick one of the dares that we give you to embrace it as your own double dog dare as we start 2018. 18, and then to take the accompanying action that comes along with it. Because while life sometimes dares us to do some stupid things, whether it's on the playground or on the playground of life now as adults, we want to challenge you. We want to dare you to do something that makes a real difference in your life, to create some positive habits, to dare you to do something good instead of something terrible. Does that sound okay? I'm so glad you're awake this morning. There's more coffee in the lobby. I won't be offended if you go get coffee and come back in, but I know that it's early. So when we come to this place, when we come to the end of 2017, we're always having these conversations, right, about goals and all of those things. That's the time to reflect back and to take inventory of our life for 2017 and to look ahead to 2018. How many of you have New Year's resolutions already picked out? Sweet. How many of you are in the habit of keeping New Year's resolutions? Honest room. Love that this morning. I think I saw like two hands. That's fantastic. But the reality is, how many of you have tried ever in the history of your life with New Year's resolutions? Somebody raised their hand. Thank you, right? But the reality is, and this is why maybe we stop or maybe you're not there yet, it's hard to keep those resolutions, right? We all want to be better in 2018. We'd all like to make some small changes. We'd all like to make some big changes. We'd like to spend more time doing things that matter to us, less time on things that don't. We'd like to spend more time saving money, perhaps, or getting healthier. But what happens is that sometime our desires, the things that we want to change, don't actually materialize. Right? Those desires seldom translate into long-lasting action. Right? If desire were enough, if simply setting the goal were enough, we'd all be driving the car of our dreams, retired on the beach, and living the high life. Right? So what's missing? Andy Stanley, who's the pastor of North Point Church, which is the song that Greg introduced us to, that was a new song for me. I don't know about you guys, but I loved it, and I love the fact that our kids are back there teaching us worship songs. That's just the coolest idea to me ever. But Andy Stanley's the lead pastor of North Point, and he sums up this idea well, at least for me. He says this simply in his book, The Principle of the Path. He says, direction, not intention, determines our destination. Direction, not intention, determines our destination. 
Right? Now, this is not profound at all. This is like basic geography. My wife had a car appointment this week. We had to replace an airbag, and so we were talking about where to make this appointment because we had to go to the dealer, and there was one on Arapahoe and one up on Havana. And since we knew where the one on Arapahoe was, we said, okay, we'll make the appointment there. Unfortunately, we couldn't make the online appointment, and since I'm a millennial, I didn't call. I just made the appointment at the other place. Uh, so we made the appointment at Havana, but Melissa got in the car, and guess what she did by four? of habit. She drove towards Arapaho, right? She intended to go to where her appointment was on Havana, but she ended up driving in the direction of Arapaho. So here's the question. Did she arrive at her destination? There's more coffee out in the lobby, guys. There's sugar cookies. Like, I don't know what to do this morning. No, right? She didn't make it to her destination. Obviously not, right? Because the direction that she was going was wrong. She didn't arrive there simply because she intended to go to the store on Havana. She arrived at the wrong destination, right? Which is, leads me to kind of the first thing um, that I'd like us to talk about, which is that when it comes to our goals, dreams, and desires, we sometimes believe that simply setting the goal out there, that just having that opportunity will magically result in things happening, things beginning to change. But if you resolve to live a little healthier in 2018, but you don't change your shopping and eating patterns, you won't get there because your desire and your intention setting the goal isn't enough, right? It takes time and energy. It takes actually altering the direction, the steps that we take to get there. If your goal is to save a little bit more, to spend a little bit less, but you don't learn to pack lunches or buy in bulk or cut up your credit card, then you won't arrive at your destination, right? You'll get frustrated statistically by about the end of February, right? And you'll resolve one of two things. And maybe this is where you're already at this morning. You'll resolve that one, goals don't work for you, or two, that you just aren't able to achieve what your heart desires. And I'd just like to remind you and tell you this truth that neither one of those things are true. What's true for you and what's true for me is true for all of us is that our intention doesn't lead to lasting change. Instead, we have to learn to adjust our direction, the actual steps that we take, the physical things that we do if we want to arrive at our desired destination, right? And that's what this series is hopefully all about, some practical steps, some directional steps, not that help us achieve goals, but that put us on a desired path to having the life that we want, perhaps even the life that God wants. We want to remove some of the obstacles that are keeping God's blessing, that are keeping all of God's favor from resting on our lives as we begin 2018. Does that sound good? Hey, there we are. We're awake out there this morning. So glad. So here's the, here's the pattern. Here's what we're going to do. Over the course of these six weeks, I'm going to give you a truth. We're going to talk about one biblical principle, one truth maybe that's true to our lives, and then I'm going to give you the dare, and then I'm going to wrap it up with an action step to kind of give us some practical things to do. So here's today's truth. Today's truth for us that we're going to wrestle with is simply this. Your perception of what you need or what you want determines what you do. Your perception of what you need or what you want determines what you do. Notice I'm emphasizing that word perception because the way that we perceive things, the way that we think about things is directly related to the things that we actually do or don't do. Let me give you an example. How many of you think that by the end of January you could raise $100,000? Hands up high. If so, I'd like to talk to you about serving on our finance team. Uh, I've got some great openings for you, right? By the end of January, $100,000 is really difficult to think of, right? How could, we, how could we possibly get there? What would we do to raise those kinds of funds? But let me change your perception just a bit. 
Let's say you go to a doctor's appointment early in the new year. You, a family member, a significant member of your life, and it turns out that they have some diagnosis, some terrible disease. And guess what? The cost for the medication, the cost for the procedure is how much? It's $100,000 right now. How many of you think by the end of January you'll get that bill paid for, right? We'll mortgage the house, we'll take out loans, we'll start a Kickstarter campaign, whatever it takes, because now our perspective has changed, right? Our perception on just raising money has shifted fundamentally, right? The money didn't change. 100000 is 100000 in one month. That's a big, hairy, audacious goal, no matter how you slice it. But our perception of why to do it, the things that we do, altered the rapidity, the, the way that we emphasized how fast we pursued that goal, This is why when we see people who do become ill, they radically change their diet. Or when a marriage is on the rocks, when a marriage is at life or death, we see people change habits that have been ingrained for years because they've taken the time now, right? It's now or never because otherwise it's over. So here's my simple point, right? To win the battle of our goals, we must first win the battle of our perceptions, To win the battle for our goals, for these dares, for New Year's resolutions, however you would phrase it for yourself, to get whatever you want out of 2018, you first have to win the battle of your perception. It has to move from, that'd be a nice idea, or wouldn't it be great F, to this is a matter of life and death. This is important. Which leads me to a question for this morning. What do you need most in 2018? We're here on the eve, right, New Year's Eve, I almost said Christmas Eve, of 2017, New Year's Eve, and we're kind of tabulating up 2017. Maybe you're looking forward to 2018. Have you wrestled with this question? What do you need most in 2018? I think that there's both a general answer and I think there are some specific answers and I hope to lead us kind of all in that same direction. But we're going to start kind of general. What do we maybe all need? What do we all kind of want to see in 2018? And then hopefully we can dial that down a little bit more to what we need specifically, individually, in 2018. So let's start really, really broad. What do we all need in 2018? What does every person kind of need? What's the greatest need, perhaps, that we would see as we survey the world? Well, because you're here and because you're in church, I'm going to make a few assumptions, right? That would be that, well, the one thing that we all need has to do with our definition of eternity. And you're probably in one of two or three categories here this morning. Either you're here because you believe in a God, you believe in an eternity, you believe that there's something greater than yourself, greater than the things that we can quantify on this earth, and that's why you prioritize this time a week. Or number two, you're at least open to those things. You're open to the thoughts and the ideas of God. You've thought about eternity. Maybe you're not saying that you have the answers yet, but you're at least open to having that conversation. Again, that's why you're here. Or third, a spouse made you come, and uh, I, can't, I can't help you with that one, right? So uh, if your spouse made you come, sorry, I hope you get a nap. I'll try to talk quieter. There's coffee, but you won't want that. Uh, but if you're in the other two categories, then I think we could all kind of come together and agree that what we need most in 2018 has to filter around and work around this idea of belief, of fundamentally who this God is that's out there and our eternal destination, right? After all, we'd all say that, hey, we want to go to the good place, not the bad place, right? We would prefer heaven and in 
in God's presence than hell and outside of God's presence. And so maybe that's broad enough to start with a definition in 2018, which really kind of reminds me of a story. So we're going to go to Exodus chapter 33 this morning. Exodus chapter 33, starting at verse 12. If you bought a Bible, I'd encourage you to turn there. If you'd like to follow along with one of ours, uh, Stephen is up and Adam back there. He's had plenty of coffee this morning. And if you slip your hand up, he'd love to give you uh, one of our Bibles here in the worship center. We're on page 42 there, and uh, we're going to be starting at verse 12. I got one right up front there. Here we go. So Exodus chapter 33. You may remember the stories. Let me give you just a little bit of background. Moses right now is the leader of the Israelites, right? He's sent by God to free the Israelites from their captivity in Egypt. And remember, Charleston Heston shows up, right? He says, let my people go. And then uh, they cross the Red Sea, right? He holds up the staff, boom, all that stuff happens. So that's the story that we're in. The Israelites are now in the desert. They're kind of alone. They're kind of doubting. This is right after uh, they kind of go the left way and build a golden calf, which we won't get into this morning, uh, but they're on the way to the promised land, and they have some of these diversions, some of these twists and turns, and as they're led through this wilderness experience, they're guided by a pillar of fire during the night and a pillar of clouds during the day. This is the representative of the physical presence of God leading them. And at one point, Moses is speaking to God, right, like they do. This is Moses' kind of claim to fame, that he spoke face-to-face with God as one speaks with a man. And so Moses is in a tent that he used exclusively to speak to God. And on this particular conversation, Moses is a little bit frustrated. Let's pick up the story, verse 12. So Moses said to the Lord, Hey, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, then teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. And here's the zinger. Remember, this nation is your people. It's your problem, God. Come on, do something. Verse 14, the Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Moses said, that's a good thing, because if your presence does not go with us, then do not send us up from here. A couple things that I want to highlight in this story, or at least that draw my attention. See, they've been given a destination, right? God said, I'm going to take you to the promised land. But what Moses is saying is, hey, I lack the direction. I lack the physical steps to take. God, this is your people. This was all your idea. I was really happy out there in the desert tending sheep. But God, if you want to do this thing, then you've got to show up and do something. You've got to give me some direction. You've got to give me the step-by-step process to arrive at our destination. And God says, whoa, 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 don't forget, Moses, that the promised land is a place, but the destination is my presence. The destination is right here, right now, you and the people of Israel in front of me. This is the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud. This is Moses meeting face to face in the tent of meeting. God says, hey, don't forget that my presence is the point. My presence is the ultimate direction. Yes, we're all going somewhere. Yes, we hope to arrive somewhere at the end of our life. But don't mistake that journey for the actual purpose, which is to discover my presence. I'm the one who will give you rest. I am the one who provides. And Moses says, that's a good thing because we're not going anywhere unless you lead us. We're not going to take a single step without you showing us the direction to go. And here's just kind of the sum point that I'd like to take from that story. That God's presence was the most deciding factor in the life of Moses. 
in the life of the Israelites, in the life of these entire people who followed God, right? When the pillar of fire moved on, then they moved on. When the cloud moved, they moved. When it stopped, they stopped. Their entire life during this 40-year period, as best we can surmise, in the Old Testament is just them going, well, is God going left or is God going right or is God staying put today? This is what determined every single step that they take. And if you read critically, I think as we look through especially every significant Old Testament character, this question resolved in their mind. They had to come to this terminology of going, you know what, God's presence is the most deciding factor to what I do with my life. Figuring out whether we stand or whether we go, whether we move or stay, whether we have that conversation or this conversation, everything hinged on the presence of God in their lives. So I go back to our question, what do you need most in 2018? From Scripture and as I read the Bible, I think that what we could say is generically that what we all need is the presence of God in our lives. We need Moses' kind of attitude, hey, if your presence doesn't go before us, then don't send us out from here. So we're going to do a little experiment as we start 2018. Uh, We've locked the doors and everybody's stuck in here and we're going to wait for a pillar of fire or a pillar of cloud and uh, we're just going to camp out here all day. Does that sound good? There's a fire marshal here. He's like shutting us down right now. He's like, that's not, that's not okay. You can't do that, right? But the practical aspect of this is very similar. So what do we do? How do we hear God this way? Wouldn't it be great if we had that pillar of fire or the pillar of cloud? Wouldn't it be awesome if we had like Jesus stuck around for just a little bit and was like, hey, turn left here, right? Hey, don't go that direction. Go this direction. Wouldn't we all love that physical presence of God's direction in our lives? Wouldn't that make it so much simpler? Are you with me this morning, or is it just me? So here's the deal. Jesus, in his last words to his disciples, says, hey, I've got something even better than that. As he's approaching the cross, he's explaining why his death is a good thing. And in John 16, he says these words. He says, but very truly, I tell you that it is good for you that I'm going away. Unless I go, the advocate, also translated counselor, Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, then I will send him to you. Jump down to verse 13. And when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. See, you and I are the same. We want a signpost. We want the pillar of fire, the physical presence of God with us. We'd like Jesus just to hang around. We like that baby in the manger. And if he could just hang out with us for a bit and help us out, that'd be great. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I've got something even better than that for you. I've got something so much greater that through his birth, death, and resurrection that the Holy Spirit is able to come into our lives and to be like a life GPS with us, to be the tangible, physical presence of God that lives and breathes inside of our hearts. Jesus says, this is the best possible thing that I can give you. You've got an internal clock, an internal setting that allows us to tune in and to hear the voice of God. The Holy Spirit comes in and resides and guides us in all truth. So while we have the presence of God in our lives, the Holy Spirit living within us, we have more action to more of God's direction than anybody else at any other time on the face of the planet. The Old Testament people who had the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud, the Old Testament prophets would all love to have the Holy Spirit that you and I have access to. The question is not whether or not we have God's presence. It's a question of our perspective. 
How urgently do we need it? Because we have everything that we need to accomplish all that God has given to us. We have the directions. We have the destination. What I think we lack from time to time is the perspective to choose to do those things that are most important to us. We fail to prioritize the presence of God in our lives. 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 3 says it this way, that his divine power, speaking of Jesus, has given us everything that we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. We have everything that we need to make 2018 the best possible version of itself, the best possible year ever. If what you desire, if again that generalized purpose of us desiring who God is in his presence in our lives, the scripture says that we have everything that we need. We have a GPS navigation hardwired into our soul to live a godly life. The only thing missing is our perspective. No matter how loud you turn Siri up, if she says to go right and you go left, you're not going to arrive at your desired destination. Similarly, no matter if we have the Holy Spirit within us, if we haven't learned how to tune in, if we haven't taken the time to listen, if we're just too busy pinballing our way through life, responding to crisis after crisis, then we never sit ourselves down and go, God, who are you wiring me to be? Where are you leading me through? What are you trying to teach me in this season of life? This is where I think the greatest need for everyone, whether you're in this room, outside of this room, believer or non-believer, is simply this, and I formatted it into our dare this morning. So here's my dare for you today for 2018. I dare you to prioritize hearing from God and obeying him in 2018. I dare you to prioritize hearing from God and obeying him in 2018. Sounds simple enough, perhaps not overly profound, also not overly actionable. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, prioritize. Make it important. Make it something that matters. Change your perspective from it'd be nice if God spoke, it'd be nice to hear from the Lord, to going, man, we're not moving if the Lord doesn't speak. Right? Because if I ask this question, I won't make you raise your hands, but if I did, if I said, hey, how important is it to you to hear from God, I would say that most of us would rank it in the top five, right? It's really important that if there is a God out there who does care and love for us, who we follow, that he would speak to us. That's pretty high on my list. But if I asked you the question, how do you hear from God, I would wager that most of us would be unclear at best, silent, We'd postulate, well, I think the Bible, well, I think worship. How do you hear from God? How does it practically happen? Where does the Lord speak to you? So we have something here that we all agree on. We all think that it's important. That's why you showed up this morning, New Year's Eve. You're here because you think that God is real or you're at least open to that idea and you're open to him speaking. And yet when I go, hey, so how does God speak to you? We go, I don't, I don't know. Sometimes it just kind of does. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe you can't even answer that question. You go, I don't know that God does speak to me. It's important enough for us to not only talk about it, but to actually do it. See, far too often our relationship with God is just like a New Year's resolution. We hope that it happens. It's our goal that God would speak to us. It's our desired destination that we would hear from the Lord. But by about February, eh, Maybe it's just not for me. Maybe God doesn't speak 
to me. Maybe he doesn't have anything to say. Maybe I'm not cleaned up enough for God to speak to me. So I double dog dare you to prioritize hearing from God in your life and obeying him in 2018. And here's the place where we all start. If you don't know how to hear from him, if you don't know what his voice sounds like in your lives, if you don't have those principles, those places in place in your life, then it's time to start doing your homework. It's time to start reflecting and rethinking, how does God speak to me personally? And this is where we go from kind of a general calling that's for everyone and hopefully make it a little bit more personal, a little bit more real to you. If there is a God who's out there and we do believe that he speaks, we do believe that he reaches out, then the question is, how do you hear from God? It's a big question. It's one that will take you a lifetime to figure out. And just like any good relationship, his voice changes during seasons and from time to time. So I'd encourage you to think back on those moments and areas in your lives where you have heard from God. What was the last thing that he said to you? Write it down. Review a journal if you keep a journal. Or start a journal where you ask the question, God, what are you saying to me right now in the midst of this season? What are you saying in the midst of this news cycle, in the midst of this family crisis, in the midst of my neighbors going through this? God, what are you speaking? What are you saying? How can I hear from you? Maybe you hear best from God in worship services like this. Maybe that's why you prioritize this in your life, because you believe that God speaks through the preaching of his word and as we worship together, and that's why you come, is to hear from the Lord. I hope that you keep record of that. I hope that you carry it with you throughout your week. Maybe you hear from the Lord in other ways. Maybe it's in silence and Bible reading. Maybe you lost that habit a long time ago and it's time to recultivate it. Maybe you hear from God out in nature. Maybe it's climbing a mountain or sitting by a still, quiet stream. Don't just go out hiking. Don't just go out to do those things. Do it to find and encounter and experience and to hear from the living God. Maybe you hear from God in relationships and over coffee, talking meaningfully with people, and God uses those times to remind you of his presence and of his truth. Here's my point. We're all different in how God speaks to us. I only know one thing. I only know that he is speaking and that it takes us some quiet time of reflection and introspection to actually hear his voice. Maybe it's been a long time since you've been there. Maybe you can't remember the last time that you clearly heard God speak to you. If you are a Christian, a Christ follower, then in 2018, this is a big deal. Not only hearing from the Lord, I hope that that happens in your life, but we also have to put the words of James into practice. He says, hey, don't simply read the word and then forget about it. Don't just read the word or hear the word preached, but actually apply it to your life. Do the hard work of doing the thing that following Christ is about, or else you'll just deceive yourself. So we have to hear the Lord, and we also have to live obediently to it. Right, Jesus' last words to his disciples were very instructional. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. So when's the last time you did any one of those things? When's the last time you discipled someone? When's the last time you allowed someone to disciple you, to walk alongside them in a practical way in your relationship with God? When's the last time that you led somebody to baptism, not just brought them to church? When's the last time that we walked alongside of people? This is large pieces that God says this is for every believer. Again, a general call and then a specific call. What does God's word have to do with your day-to-day -day living? 
Some of the largest pieces of following Jesus are simply not up to us. They're given by God and he's already laid them out for us. See, sometimes when we don't hear from God, it's not because he's not speaking. It's because we're just like my children, which is when I have a conversation about chores or, hey, we need to do this thing, guess who can't hear me? Right? Like, at all. Like, I'm screaming in their ear, hey, it's time to clean up your room. And, what? I didn't hear you say that. Yeah, I told you for 20 minutes, this is what's next on the agenda. But if I whisper, I scream. Right? Like, there's a, there's a stampede down the stairs in the kitchen. Who said ice cream? Did you say ice cream? Are we getting ice cream? Do we have ice cream? Where is the ice cream? We hear what we want to hear. And too often, God has already told us the things that we're supposed to do. We just simply don't want to hear it. Hear what the Lord says and then live obediently to it. I double dog dare you to prioritize these habits, the basic habits of being a disciple of Jesus Christ in your life in 2018. If following Jesus is just simply something that we do on Sunday, then we've missed the point. Because God has laid out the instructions on how to live a life of obedience. So is the problem that you're not hearing, or is the problem that you don't want to hear? Because once we hear, we're responsible to obey. Heal the sick, love the unlovable, give up everything, and follow me. Hate your father and mother, eat my flesh and drink my blood. These are some of the highlight reels of the things that Jesus says to us. If church is the sum total of your relationship with God, you're missing out on so much more that God has for you, that he wants for you, the life to the fullest that he has for you. So the truth is that our perception of what we need determines what we do. And my dare is that you would decide to prioritize this in your life and hearing from the Lord. And while there are many action steps that we can take individually, I'd like to give us just one step that we can kind of take forever. See, a few years ago, I was challenged by this idea called one word. Have you ever heard of this? Anybody? It's this idea of taking the time to pray through the year that God would have for you through the filter of a single solitary promise or presence of the Lord's word in your life. So in about December of every year, I kind of embark on a journey to reflect over the past year and to look forward to what I feel God leading me to in the following year. So in 2016, uh, my word was focus, and that's part of the reason about how and why we arrived here at the Porch Church. In 2017, my word was purity, purity of intention, purity of relationship relationships, fidelity in all areas of my life, and 2018 isn't here yet, so I don't want to talk about it. Uh, but if you're there, if this is knocking on your core, if you're like, this is what I need, is to hear God's voice in my life and to put it into practice, then here's my action step for you. Here's my challenge for you. Get one word. Come up with one thing that you can do, and I've got two avenues to approach this, and they're both really, really simple. There's a free reading plan that you can get on your phone. It's a four-day devotional that'll take you through a guided process to arrive at a one-word statement, a one-word promise that God might have for you in 2018. So you can go to bible.com backslash app on your smartphone. As a matter of fact, if this is tugging at your heart or if you're just interested in this, I'd encourage you to pull it out right now. Uh, if you don't have the Bible app downloaded on your phone, Bible app or Bible Bible.com backslash app. Uh, you can't follow Jesus without a Bible on your smartphone. I didn't make the rules, right? That's just, that's just in there. Um, but once you go there, you can click plans. It's down at the bottom. And you can search, just search the word one word. 
There's a couple of options. There's a couple of different things. But the study that I'd encourage you to do is one word to change your life. I think this is in your sermon notes as well. If you're online, it's on there. But here's my challenge to you. Download the Bible app. Go to plans. Do a four-day devotional to arrive at one word. Whether this is your dare or not, I think this is just an easy, practical step to go through the process of hearing from the Lord and putting it in practice. Maybe you're more of a reader than that. Maybe you want more information. Uh, there's a website there at the bottom, www.getoneword.com, and they can link you to the book there. Regardless, though, here's the big deal. Your perspective on how important this is will determine what action steps you take. I would submit to you that on New Year's Eve of 2017, there is no more important step and for you to decide what the Lord is saying to you, how you hear from him, and to put those things into action in your life. Because nothing matters if you don't hear from the Lord, and this discipleship activity that we do doesn't mean a lick of difference if there isn't the opportunity to hear a fresh word from the Lord and to put it in practice in your life. Maybe today, though, you're finding yourself going, eh, I don't know that I've ever heard from the Lord. I don't know that I've ever actually had a time and an opportunity where I made him Lord of my life, where I said, hey, I believe in you and I believe in the things that you have for me. None of the other stuff that I said matters this morning because it's all dependent on the person and the work of Jesus. And because of that, we have the Holy Spirit, which is this personal GPS. But if you've never taken the time to accept Jesus as your Savior, if you've never taken the time to stop and prioritize and to say, yeah, I do believe in God and I want my actions and my life to reflect that, then nothing else that I say this morning matters. So as we end 2017, if that resonated with you at all, and maybe you're just going, I just need a fresh start. I just need a, a come-to-Jesus moment, whether it's your first time in a long time uh, or maybe the first time ever or maybe just to start fresh and to go, God, I just need to declare that I want more of you in 2018. That's the biggest thing, the most important thing that you can do. And I would encourage you that if you have never made that decision, that the most important thing that you can do before the clock strikes midnight is to accept Christ as Lord of your life, to accept that there is something bigger, to stop just being open to the idea of a God who is out there, but to embrace a personal Savior who comes to guide us in the way to God. I'm going to encourage you just to bow your heads to take a moment here, and uh, I'm not real big on the raise your hand for salvation thing, and I'll tell you why. Because I would rather you have an honest, gut-level conversation with the God of the universe than raise your hand so that we can count a number. So here's the deal. You've heard the word. You've heard from the Lord. You know whether God's pulling on your strings. You know that this is your dare. And you know whether or not you're at the place in your relationship with God where you can actually hear from him. So before we sing this song, just take a moment in the quiet to speak to him. Maybe you need to ask him to speak to you. Maybe you need to apologize and say, God, I've heard you speaking and I've just ignored it. Maybe you're coming face to face with God and you recognize that he's a stranger and you don't even know how to talk to him. Maybe you've been hearing him, but like a stubborn child, you just don't want to obey. Maybe you just need to be honest and say, I'm not sure about this whole God thing. Whatever it is, 
take the time to speak. I encourage you to take the time to listen. Your perspective on whether or not this is important will determine what you do today, tomorrow, in 2018. And if you believe as I believe that the presence of the Lord is everything in directing our steps, then what does that mean that our steps need to entail? I dare you, I double dog dare you to prioritize the presence of God in your life in 2018. Heavenly Father, God, I'll be the first to admit that I'm a stubborn child. God, that when you say things that I don't want to do or things that make me uncomfortable, I'm just as likely to stick my fingers in my ears and go, la, 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 I'm not listening. But God, more than anything, what I want and what I need in 2018 is to know that you're real. To know that you have a plan for my life and a direction for me, God. And so to that end, I submit that this is important, that it's life and death, God. That we don't want to take one single step towards 2018 without knowing that your presence is going before us. That your presence is with us, God. That you are protecting and guiding and leading us. And God, we know that that's possible through your Holy Spirit. And so, God, right now, I just ask and pray that you would give us all that measure of your peace and your grace, God. For those of us who maybe have never received the Holy Spirit or never spoken to him in this way, God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit it would fall. I pray that as people, God, come to terms with this God, that who you are, that maybe there's those people, that person who said, you know what? I've turned my back on the Lord for a long time. I've gone a different direction. And right now, God, I just want to turn to you to start fresh in 2018. I want to leave the past behind me. I want to leave 2017 in the dust. God, I want a new story with new life and a fresh start in 2018. God, I believe that you can do that. All we have to do is ask. So God, would you do all that we ask you to do? God, would you be present with us? Would you speak to us that we might hear your voice? And would you enable and equip us through the power of your Holy Spirit to live obedient lives to all that you command and direct us to do? God, this is my prayer for 2018, and I hope that it's a prayer that we pray together as a church as we start off into a brand new year and a brand new direction. We pray these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. All God's people agreed together and said, Amen.